it is needful for us to discuss Isaiah 53 and the context in which surrounds these portions of Scripture. You will remember that God calls his people from a man by the name of Abraham. He calls him out of his loins and creates a people. And it becomes the nation of Israel. They go into bondage for 400 years in Egypt. And it is in these 400 years they start gaining all sorts of other gods. They, they go from knowing what we heard about in teaching here today, that there is only one God. Anybody thankful for that revelation? There is none other. He said, there's none beside me. There's none like me. You don't need to worship a pantheon of deities. You don't need to worship the sun, the moon, the stars. You can just stay and worship the one God that made it all. And they go in oneness, and they come out in a multiplicity of gods that they worship. And you'll see that it is in Egypt that they picked up idolatry. They will go and they will build statues to their God. And you'll find that even though God brought them out, the Bible says with a mighty outstretched hand, God delivered them. God helped them. God was, God was making sure that he parted the Red Seas. It was in this that, that God also saw the nation of Israel turn their backs on him in a matter of moments. They barely got out of Egypt, and already they're starting to make molten calves because that is the nature of man. God wants to deliver us. God wants to heal us. God wants to use us. But at the very moment that God is trying to deliver us and God is trying to use us, there's something that rises up, and we try to slide backwards. We have this natural propensity in our flesh to slide backwards, to go back to what is comfortable, to go back to what is familiar, to go back to what we know. I'm preaching to somebody already. you got to be careful when God liberates you and God delivers you. God is not trying to deliver you halfway, part of the way. Come on. God wants to deliver you all of the way. God wants to take you out of Egypt and into a promised land, but he's got this middle ground of decision, and there's people that got to go through this middle ground of decision. Am I going to serve God, or am I going to go and serve the things that I have served all of these years? Lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, somebody pray all across the building. There's some folks, you have come to that middle ground here today, and you're going to make your decision. You're going to make up your mind. Huh? I'm going all the way with Jesus. I'm going to serve God with everything that I have. You'll find that it was because of this idolatry, God even put it with his own finger in the Ten Commandments. That shall have no other gods before me. Don't create any idols, molten images. Isn't it funny that the nature of man is to worship something that we make? That's why people worship money. They think, I work 40 hours a week so, so I can go and do X, Y, and Z. But that's worship. People worship uh, their jobs because they're the ones that get up in the morning. But I want to tell you, God gives you the power to get up every morning. He gave you breath in your body. You ought to praise him. God gave you the strength to get up another day, to live another day. You ought to worship him and serve him. They fall into idolatry, and God continually is trying to get them out of it. 
Satan's trying to take the idols out of, out of, out of them. But you'll find that this, this idolatry is one of the oldest issues in the Bible. That, that the minute man walks away from God, they start serving idols. Uh, they start learning how to work with metal, and the first thing they do is build idols with that metal. Uh, they could have done a whole lot of other things, but they're trying to build a statue that can't heal them, that can't deliver them, that can't save them. Amen. And they'll build it up and they'll put all their money. The book of Acts lets us know that there were people like that. There were silversmiths and coppersmiths. And they would build little statues of Diana the goddess. And, and they would make money off of it. And I'm going to tell you, we got a whole world that is making money off of worship. They're making money off the fact that you know every stat of that basketball player. They're making money off the fact that you have watched every, every UFC fight and you know everything going on in that world. But what you don't realize is they're marketing your worship and they're marketing your exuberance. And they'll say, don't even go to church. But if you do, you better sit down and shut up and be quiet. But when you come to our stadium, you can lose your ever-loving mind. That's worship and that's idolatry. You want to know why the church here gets excited about God? Because we know who he is, and he's the only one worthy of praise, the only one worthy of worship. Not a basketball star, not a rock star, not at a concert. We praise at church. Oh, somebody praise him. Don't ever let the devil tell you to sit down and shut up at church because you were created to worship. It is in our nature that if we don't know what to worship, we'll make something to worship. We'll worship relationships. Yeah. Amen. Don't let your spouse keep you out of heaven. Love them. Stay married to them. God bless them. But you make your way to the house of God with or without them. Hallelujah. Thank God for a job. But you make it to the house of God. You praise the one that gave you the strength to get to work. Hallelujah. But they go into this, this, this cycle. Idol worship, worship God. Idol worship, worship God. I'm in and I'm out. Hallelujah. That's how people are. That's why they come past the mountain for 40 years. You'd have thought they'd have saw the, the gravestone to Grandpa Joe and been like, man, we've been here before. But the nature of man is like, I'm just going to go in circles because it's just all I've ever known. Uh, but the problem with going in circles is you never go anywhere. You keep ending up with it. Some people saying, well, I feel like I've seen this trial before. Well, you have. God's trying to get some things out of you. You have seen that problem before. God's trying to get some stuff out of you. Amen. It's time to not just have eyes but use them to see. Amen. God's trying to remove some things from me. But they go through this. They get in the promised land. They have all these other, other people around them. They all, uh, they all serve other gods. They all have idols and and, and the Bible says when they get there after the book of Joshua that there is, there is no king in Israel. The Bible says that this phrase over and over, and we'll preach about it another time, that, that there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And, and, and you've got to be careful just doing what you think is right because everybody's got their own perception of what's right. But we don't need perceptions of what, what's right. We need the truth of what is right. And the only way to find that is to get a king. The only way to know what's right is to get a king. Uh, you need somebody over you. And let me tell you what his name is. His name is Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to get I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you got to be careful of just feeling like well what I'm doing is good enough. You need to look in that book. You need to look in that word and say, "God, does what I'm doing live up to what you're saying? Am I living what you said? Am I believing what you said? Am I teaching Oh, somebody praise him? Lift up your hands and let's magnify him. Hallelujah. But they go into the promised land and Bible says there's a, a prophet in the book of Judges that starts going off and starts making idols. His idols are consistently there. And then they get a king. And the kings do away with the idols. And then another king rises up and brings them back. High places and, and other places of worship. And, and some say you don't even need to go to Jerusalem to worship. You can just worship where you are. You're good enough. I want to tell you no man's good enough. Not the preacher, not the pew. Hallelujah. We all need God. They'll say, you can stay where you are and worship God in your convenience. You can have a nice little fan blowing on you while you worship God. You can, you can go ahead and sit in your, in your living room with the TV on and worship God. I want to tell you that God has always said that worship is going to be at his house. Now, you can worship God as you drive down the road. I'm not talking about that. But there was a whole kingdom that rose up and said, no, you can just stay where you are. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go all the way with Jesus. You can stay halfway. You can almost be saved. You can almost live for God. You can almost be a worshiper. But you've got to watch out for that voice because that voice is not of God. That voice did not come from the King of Kings and from the Lord of Lords. That came from idol worshipers, and it's not right. Because idol worshipers will try to find a shortcut, and they end up going into bondage again because idolatry always leads to bondage. And they're in, they're in a foreign land. They've been led away into captivity by Babylon, and now they're, they're out there. They don't have, they, now, now, listen, listen. If you don't want to go all the way to worship in Jerusalem, just know that you'll be led away into bondage, and even if you want to get Jerusalem, you can't. They wouldn't go all the way to Jerusalem, and now they're in a foreign land, and they're in bondage, and as much as they desire to go back to Jerusalem, they can't. Amen, because sin will always take you further than you can go. And God is there, and he sends prophets. God speaks to these people in the midst of their bondage because God's still, God's still looking to start up a relationship. God is still interested in every individual coming all the way. Amen. God's not going to leave anybody, amen, in bondage. God's not looking to leave anybody, amen, in their sin. God is looking to save people. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And they go into bondage and, and in comes a prophet. They are in bondage or in captivity or exile and then they're halfway in exile and then they are what we call post-exilic they get out of exile and and in this there's a prophet that rises up and he begins to tell them Isaiah 53 and he says uh, who shall believe the report of the Lord and in this he begins to tell them I'll tell you why he said who's going to believe this report because there's nothing that should suggest that the people should believe this report there's nothing good going on that should let people believe what's about to be prophesied and what's about to come forth because everything that they look around and see does not line up with what God is saying. Can I tell you how God works? We walk by faith and not by sight. What God says doesn't always line up with what you see. What God begins to that's why it's a prophecy. 
That's why it takes faith. And you don't have faith for what you see. You have faith for what you don't yet see. You have hope in one day it's going to change. You have hope in one day it's coming. And God will always bring a word of faith even in the midst of problems and troubles. And God is trying to give him a prophecy because he knows that when you get up out of exile, when you come all the way, you'll never struggle with idols again. You mark it down, they never struggle with idols again. They never had that problem again. And God was allowing them to go through it because he knew, if I can get you through this uh, and you can stick with me, uh, that you'll know I'm never going back because I don't want to go back through that trial. Well, God, why is it so hard? Why is it so rough? I'll tell you why. God's got to bring such an extreme heat, you never want to walk through it again. Sometimes God's got to bring trouble into your life uh, that you say, you know what, uh, God, I take your word the first time. Uh, I don't want to circle back around through that. Uh, I learned my lesson. Uh, I'm going to serve you uh, with all of my heart. Uh, oh, somebody praise him. Lift up your hands and magnify Jesus. But again, it's a prophesy to them about a Savior. We know his name to be Jesus. That he will be wounded for our transgressions. He will be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace will be upon him. And with his stripes we will be healed. Somebody say amen. I rebuke anybody that tells you that promise isn't for you. I rebuke any false doctrine that tells you you can't be healed. We just heard a testimony. I rebuke anybody that tells you you can't be delivered. He came to seek and save. He came to deliver. He came to liberate. And he begins to tell them that I'm... I'm going to send something that's going to be bruised for your iniquities. And we're going to, we're going to make sure he's going to be like a, a sheep to the slaughter. Amen. He's going to be like a lamb to the shear. He's going to be dumb. He's not going to speak. He's not going to open up his mouth. And then we get to Isaiah 54. And in Isaiah 54, he opens it up by saying, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not break forth, thou, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing. And cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. What is he really saying? He's saying that in the midst of this exile, you got to be able to sing. In the midst of what you're going through, you got to break forth into singing. you got to cry aloud. And, and, and he even lets them know, you've got a reason not to cry aloud. you got a reason not to sing because you're somebody that didn't bear. You're somebody that didn't travail with child. You're somebody that doesn't have the promise yet. You're somebody that's not seen the fulfillment yet. And he's saying, but in spite of that, let me tell you a word from God. I already told you your deliverance is coming. And since you heard that word, that deliverance is about to show up, you might as well sing now. You might as well shout now. You might as well cry aloud now. I wish somebody would praise God not with what you see, but because of what you heard, because of what God showed you. Oh, somebody take about 30 seconds and praise him. Come on, somebody cry aloud. Somebody sing. I know you haven't seen it yet. I know you haven't born it yet. But somebody magnify him because it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Lift up your hands and let's magnify Jesus. 
Come on, your deliverance is drawing nigh. It's closer than it ever was. Amen. What God has promised, what God has said, it's closer today than it ever was before today. What God has promised for the church is closer today than it ever was. Come on, revival's closer than it ever was. Deliverance is closer than it ever was. Blessing is closer than it ever was. Sing and shout. Oh, somebody praise him. Then he begins to tell them, you need to make preparations for what's coming. You need to start making the proper, uh, the proper, you need to step out in faith is really what he's saying. You need to expand the space of your tent. I don't have kids. Obviously, he's using this analogy to help Israel. We've not born. We've not produced. It's not worked. Amen. Things haven't acted the way it should have acted. Things haven't happened the way that they should have happened. And he tells them, amen, that you're going to sing right now even though you don't see it, you don't feel it. But I want you to put some feet to your faith. I want you to go home and find your tent or take your house, if you will. And I want you to do some renovations. I want you to start kicking out some walls. I want you to go ahead and take that tent and begin to stretch it back. And you take that thing and say, well, I don't know if we have enough material, but I'll pull it back as far as I can. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel like preaching to somebody. you got to go home and put your feet in front of you and say, God promise, I'm going to make preparations for every promise. God said it, I believe it, and I'm going home to show it. God said it, I believe it, and I'm about to do something about what I believe. I'm about to expand the place of my tent. Oh, somebody praise him. Says you're gonna, you're gonna have to stretch. We'll talk about all this later. You're gonna have to go through. And he says this: spare not. When you go home to make preparations for what I promised, spare not. That means do not hold back. That means spare no expense. God's talking about a remodel, folks. God's talking about the kind of remodel where you don't even think about the cost. You're so excited about what he's about to do. You're not afraid about what the contract says. You're not afraid about the price, the price tag, or the cost. You just made it up in your mind. God said it. It's about to happen. He didn't ask, do you have the money yet? He didn't ask, do you have the ability yet? He said, you go home and treat it like you got a bank account with $10 million and you spare not. You don't hold back. You spare no expense because your faith is greater, because your expectation is higher. So we're going to expand. Somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify him. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray. God's promised some things. God's promised some things, but you can't hold back on what God has said. you got to step out in faith and say, Lord, I'm about to put the pedal to the metal. I'm about to go all in. I'm about to throw this thing into gear, and we're about to fly forward into everything God has promised. Because God says don't hold back. Because he knows there's a propensity when you look around. Doesn't look good right now to hold back, to play it safe. But without risk, there is no reward. 
I say it again, without, without risk, there is no reward. For the person that always says, I'm just going to hold back in life, there's no reward at the end of the day for you. But there is a reward for the person that says, you know what, it looks a little risky, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to do it whether... Oh, come on. Whether everything collapses around me or not, whether everything falls apart or not, I'm I'm not holding back. I'm going all the way in. I'm not going to spare. There's some people who like to live it cautiously. But let me preach you what we're going to do in this next year. Now, we're not going to be stupid. I don't like being that way anyways. But I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to throw caution to the wind. Come on, ARC. We're about to throw caution to the wind and just have apostolic revival because it's in our name. We're about to just give it all we got to put everything forth, to throw it in gear. Somebody praise him. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, though. Everything in life, there is that propensity to say, hold on. Let's step back and wait calculating out what could go wrong. That's what happened with Saul and his army. Well, the giants got all of this and all of that, and we don't have this, that, or the other, and they're calculating out what could go wrong and what they don't have and the abilities that they lack. And I'm going to tell you, you can get so trapped up and intimidated if you get in that mode where you're held back and you just think, no, there's no way. I'm just going to stay right here, and and we'll always have this enemy in front of us. We'll always be intimidated to move forward because of this giant that's right there. But can I tell you, amen, holding back's not of God. Come on, being reserved about it is not of God. Let me talk to somebody for a moment about the dangers of holding back. The Bible says, speaking of Solomon, that he he went and he did he did some things for God. He built the house of the Lord. He built himself a house. And then immediately the Bible says this about him: that that his heart was not like his father David's. And I'll tell you how his heart was not the same. The Bible says it's because he did not go fully after the Lord. Well, I, I, I worked. I did X, Y, and Z. But you held back. And God had something against Solomon. And said, Solomon, you did a lot of great things. Wonderful. But there's one thing I've got against you. It's that you didn't go all the way. It's that you didn't go fully like your father David. You were the person that had reservations. You were the one that said, I'll go part of the way. I'll go halfway. I might even go 99%. But how many knows that just won't do? Just going almost will never make it. Just going almost will never change anything. And just going almost, God looks and says, that's not right. Your heart's not right because it's not fully invested. I'll lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, somebody pray for just a moment. God's saying, I want you fully invested. I want you fully invested. I want you going all the way. I don't want you to hold back. I don't want you to reserve. I want you to say, God, you can have all of me, all of my mind, all of my heart, all of my soul, everything. Ultimately, the danger of holding back is that you don't move forward, but you end up going backwards. Because Solomon 
was put in a position where he should have been able to progress and to move forward like his father David. But now he's building temples to Egyptian gods, something that God called him out of a long time ago. And God is saying for the folk and for the person that is not fully invested, to the person that says, no, I'll just go part of the way and I'll hold back a piece of my heart, a piece of my life. I'm preaching to somebody. I'm just going to hold back in this area or that area. God, you can have the rest of me, but you can't have this part of me. God's saying that kind of person is the one that doesn't go all the way. They're the kind that is held back. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in the New Testament that there was a rich young man that came to Jesus and said, how must I, how, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Only person that ever asked that question. And, and, and he goes and, and he's talking about, I want to get there. I, I want to I inherit this. I, I want to receive that. And God tells him, take all you have. Go your way. Amen. He's telling him, you got, you got to sell everything you have and give to the poor. You know what he's really saying? He's saying, you know, you're missing one thing. One thing thou lackest. You haven't reached the sellout point. Let me preach to somebody for a moment. Amen. It's okay to come to church, but God's going to come by once in a while in your life and ask, have you sold out yet? Have you reached that point of not holding back? Have you reached that place where you're all in and there's nothing else on the side? God wants to know, are you fully invested? Have you brought everything and put it on the table? Are you willing to say goodbye to everything else? Because what God is offering is more important than what I have right now. Oh, somebody pray. Somebody pray. Come on. Don't, don't fall into the trap of not holding back. Somebody pray. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's exactly what happened with Lot's wife. Lot's wife, he said, don't look back. In other words, he was saying, keep your eyes focused. You've got to be fully invested in deliverance. Can I preach to somebody? If you're ever going to get delivered by God, you've got to be invested in deliverance. You can't hold back and say, well, I keep a cigarette in my sock drawer. Oh, well, nobody knows about it. It's a just-in-case. You need to take your just-in-case and throw it in the trash can. Flush your stash down the toilet. Can I preach to somebody? You need to take that and say, I'm not holding back on God. I'm not going to say, well, well, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to live for God until. I'm going to serve God up until this point. You're holding back. You're holding back. And I'm going to tell you, God never intended for his people to hold back. And you watch. She's going. And she's invested. And he's saying, just keep your eyes focused. Put one foot in front of another. Because when you're trying to be delivered by God, you just got to, sometimes it's one day at a time. It's one moment at a time. And you just put that foot in front of the other. And you just say, God, I'm going to walk with you. And you keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Focus on the hills. From whence cometh your help. And you are focused on just getting delivered. Getting up out of this mess. And the Bible says she looked back. And she went from being a movement to a monument. She went from being somebody who was progressing to somebody who was a statue. 
somebody, amen, she was no longer progressing. She became a preservative. Hallelujah. She became a pillar of salt. She became something that was just going to stay there for all of eternity. And I'm going to tell somebody, amen, you want to make sure you don't hold back. Because if you hold back, it'll always keep you back. It'll always hold you back. And God's saying, when I call you, when I speak to you, spare not. Don't hold back. Because I got plans for you. I got a purpose for you. And it takes a full investment. It takes somebody that throws their reservations out and says, I'm going all the way. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Somebody pray. Come on, for just a moment, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Let me preach to the folks that have already made it up in their mind. I'm not holding back. The Bible says in Numbers 14 and 24, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Twelve spies went in the land. Ten came back with an evil report and said, let's stay right here. Let's go halfway between Egypt and the promised land. Let's not go every direction. Let's just circle right here. But there was two men, Joshua and Caleb, that said, I want to get to the other side. I'm not holding back. I'm not willing to stay here for the rest of my life. And out of an entire generation, only Joshua and Caleb went in. There's a blessing for the person that says, I will not restrain. I will not be hindered. I will not hold back. I will not spare. God is saying that if you go all in, you get to go all the way in to the promise that I have for you. If you don't hold back, there will be nothing that keeps you out of what I have for you. The Bible says Jesus tells a parable of the treasure in the field and the pearl of great price. And the Bible says that, that both of these cases, they took and they sold everything they had just to buy the field, just to buy the pearl. Because there's some things you'll only get when you go all in. There's only treasure for the person the Christian, the apostolic, the church that says we will not hold back. Because you've got to be willing to say, God, what you're offering to me is much more important than what I have right now. When you hold back, you're saying, what I've got is more important. What you're saying is, no, my, my tent's big enough. My church is big enough. My mindset is big enough. My 
everything and you're saying I will stay this is okay and the problem with that is it stunts your growth and you never progress but I'm going to tell you what God's speaking to the church here today God's saying don't hold back don't hold back don't hold back don't hold back you got a treasure in that field you got a pearl of great price and if you take everything you have and you were to sell it today what you would be gaining from God would be much greater than anything you lose stand across the building lift up your hands let's pray somebody pray all across the building come on somebody pray somebody pray in the name of Jesus don't hold back don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anybody hold you back. Don't let any circumstance hold you back. Don't let any thought process hold you back. Don't let any emotion hold you back. Don't let any... Come on. Somebody needs to say, I'm not going to be held back. There is a spirit in the area that is trying to tell ARC, just kick back. It's in the air right now. No, let's just, let, let, all we got is good enough. You need to kick that out. Kick it out of your mind, kick it out of your house, kick it out of your spirit. Because God's kingdom is expanding. God's kingdom is progressing. God's kingdom is always moving forward. We've got to say, you know what? There's some things that are going to try to get my mind to stay back where it is. There's some things that are going to try to get my spirit to be held down. The devil's going to come by and try to hold some folks back. He wants to keep you in a slave mentality. He wants to keep you in bondage to what you've been going through. So you never get to the other side. He wants you to become comfortable with manna in the wilderness, not knowing that there's grapes the size of men on the promised land side. There's more. You gotta believe it. There's more. There's more. Well, well, preacher. I don't know uh, if I want to invest myself like that. I, I don't know if I want to go all the way. I, I, I just, I'm okay taking this step, but I don't know about that step. I'm going to hold back. If you're held back right there and let the devil hold you back, you'll never get all the way across. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on. Somebody needs to have the mentality of the eunuch. See, here's water. What's holding me back? What's stopping me? I heard from God. What's hindering me? I've come to give you an answer. Nothing's hindering you. Nothing's stopping you. You don't have to hold back. You don't have to stay where you are. I don't know. I don't know what roadblock you've been facing this last year. And I don't know what the devil's been putting in your spirit saying you can't go that far. God doesn't have a plan for you. I, I don't know what lies have been propagated. But I've come to tell somebody you got an answer here today. 
And it is a resolution of spirit that says, devil, you're not going to hold me back. You're not going to hold me out of heaven. You're not going to hold me back from my calling. You're not going to hold me from my blessing. You're not going to hold me from my promise. Somebody needs to tell hell, I'm not going to be held back. I might not feel it yet. I might not see it yet. But you're not going to hold me back. I'm going all the way. Lift up your hands and let's pray. The Holy Ghost is moving across this building. God has been speaking to you already. God's been speaking to some of you all week, all year. Come on. God's been talking, but you've got to make up your mind. I'm going all the way with Jesus. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Make your declaration sure. I'm not holding back. Young person, you need to make it up in your mind. I'm not holding back. God deserves my everything. God deserves my all. Come on, married family, you need to make it up in your mind. God's not holding my marriage back. Come on, mother and father, God's not holding our kids down. Holding our our kids back. We're not holding them back. We're going forward. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. Make that declaration sure. I am not holding back. God, I'm going all the way in my heart, in my actions, in my life. I'm going to go home today, and I'm not going to hold back. There's not going to be one area of my mind, one area of my heart, one area of my future that you don't know. Would you pray? Come on, as he sings, somebody pray all across the building. Somebody needs to make it up in their mind. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. I've made up my mind. i made my decision. I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back. Come on, there's some saints of ARC. You need to make it up in your mind. I'm not holding back on revival. I'm not holding back on the future of what God's doing in this church and in this city. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm invested. All of me. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. With holy nothing. With holy nothing. With holy nothing. With holy. 
That's it. Make it up in your mind. I'm not holding back. I'm withholding nothing. It all belongs to you. My heart, my mind, my life, my future. It's all yours. Come on. Every area, every part, my talents, my gifts, it all belongs to you. I'm not holding my gifts back from you. I'm not holding my talents back from you. I'm all in. 